And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Oh my, oh my, Texas is still alive. Welcome to the wide world of Longhorn Sports. I'm Dalton Sweat, sitting down here with Chris Dukes, the publisher of SI.com's uh, Longhorn Maven. And you can find Chris on Twitter at Dukes Take, uh, or you can follow us on Facebook at Longhorn Sports Illustrated. Chris, how's everything going? Oh, great. Uh, welcome to a little farther down the road where the can currently resides. <laughs> you know, the Longhorns are managing to keep their season alive at the moment, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, at least it, it allows for some nice fodder and not depressed talk as, you know, the last time we had some conversations, it was just trying to bat away the blues, if you will. Yeah, it felt like we were talking people off the ledge. Last week and now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not like it's in a great place, but it's a lot better than it was last week exactly. so well i guess let's go ahead and uh, just jump right into uh uh the uh, football game last week a 27 24 win over i don't know number 16 kansas state number 20 kansas state i don't they've got multiple polls out there now i don't know what the standard bearer is at the moment i cur- I, I usually try to go by the college football playoff poll which was then they were 16 i think they're 24 this week yeah so. something like that yeah. so we'll call them number 16 kansas state university so. nationally ranked kansas state university <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh you know you can't overstate how important this was just for a program standpoint and i know when you're talking about um um, a win over Kansas State, you really don't want to be talking about how important it is to your program when you're the University of Texas, but it was. Last week, we're talking people off the ledge. You know, don't give up. I hope the team doesn't give up. You know, this this season just feels like it's um, a lost cause at this point. All right, let's take it back. Take back a step. 24-27 win over a, win, a ranked team. Uh, I, I think... It's really it's an important win to get this season at least back on a track. Exactly. It, it, I mean, <laughs> this would be a completely different podcast if uh, if if things go a little differently <laughs> yeah. uh, against Kansas State. You know, then then you're possibly looking at bowl eligibility by the end of the year. And now now you're talking. You know, you you still got most of your goals still in front of you uh, that you set up started out the season with. So uh, Tom Herman kind of said it right after the game. Uh, this is a quote I pulled from AP News, but it says, uh, it could have been a really, really bad scene. We put ourselves on the ropes this season, and we took a step towards swinging and scratching and clawing our way off. I think that sums it up right there, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. That I, 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 had, uh, I was legitimately thinking that I was firsthand witnessing the wheels coming off in that first quarter. I mean, when Kansas State jumps out like they did. Yeah, 14 nothing, and then, I mean, you, it, Longhorn Nation's ready to implode. Right. Oh, it, the natives The natives weren't just restless. The, <laughs> the, uh, they had already started lighting the torches and, and fully sharpened their pitchforks. And yeah. it was, I mean, they were, they were, they were coming storming. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the way they went down 14 nothing. I mean, it was all the things that you see, you, you've heard complained about, for the last two weeks during the bye week, you know, can't get off field on third down, giving up big pass plays, this and that. And then, uh, I mean, obviously they completely flipped the script before the end of that game. But that first that first eight, nine minutes of that game really, really looked like we were headed the wrong direction. Well, and let's talk a little bit. Last week we talked about the leadership that was necessary to go through a devastating win, a devastating loss the week before, and then have a bye week where you've got, you know, 13 days between games, 
that's a lot of time to ruminate. That's a lot of time for these young kids, you know, 18 to 22, 23 year olds to think about all of this despair, hear it, you know, from the outside, from, you know, people like us. (laughs) (laughs) And, but we said that how this team came out and responded would be up to the leadership on the team. And I squarely put it on the shoulders of Sam Ellinger. It was up to him to make sure this team stayed focused and came out and wanted to win and didn't give up, didn't think that this was a lost season and that they fought. And down 14 nothing, it looked like they had given up. It looked like that that was coming to fruition. And then the script flipped. And all of a sudden, you saw the fight that this team has. And I think that is the biggest part coming out of this uh, ball game is that Texas had every reason to give up. They did. They had every reason to give up. The season goals out the window. Let's just mail it in from here on out. And they fought. You, you could see it on the field, and I think that's the the biggest thing to take away from this ball game. Yeah, and you look at. I mean, if you you want to boil it down to to you know look at look at a, a specific player and how how it, I mean, just kind of as a microcosm of the way that game went. Look at Brandon Jones on uh, at safety. You know, he gets he gets just juked out of his cleats on that first long Texas uh, touchdown, then uh, gets beat on the nineteen yarder later on. And then comes back and forces the fumble, returns that long punt, uh, ends up having a great game. I mean, that's kind of the way that whole team went. I mean, it was just, you know, taking punches early and, and but without giving up and just uh, you know without getting too much into coach speak. Just a, a lot of heart. Right? There was a lot of heart and a lot of resolve shown shown shown, shown by the Texas in that game. Yeah, and you, and you saw Eagles show up uh, on that that dr- the first touchdown drive. You know, you saw Devin Duvernay show up on that first touchdown drive. A couple of the more seasoned guys, also Roshan Johnson jumping into it, but a couple of more seasoned guys maybe steadying the keel, you know, uh, and saying, hey, we're we're not done yet, you know. We're not done just just quite yet. And then, you know, Colin Johnson pulling in that, that t- 21-yard touchdown pass. I feel like that was a, a big moment for the team to come together and, and have an opportunity to push forward. Yeah, without a doubt. And like you said, I mean, just – if you look at the job on offense that, that that offensive line ended up doing, that that was clearly their best game of the year. After mm-hmm. that's a group that has really taken a lot of flack from people like us, as you said earlier. <laughs> uh, you know, comes comes together and pushes around a really good, solid Kansas State defensive line, and mm-hmm. really as close to dominant as they've looked on the ground all year long. And uh, there's some some news in terms of the uh, health of the offensive line, also. Yeah, uh, Junior Aguilar is going to miss the the rest, of, or I'm going to miss the next week or, or two uh, with with an eight, with an MCL injury. Uh, mm. They're going to kind of rotate some guys in in and out. I think Derek Kerstetter, who's been playing right tackle, is going to move over. Uh, they I mean, they're going to. It, it shouldn't. They, they they've. They're six deep on the offensive line, but there's no more room for error at this point. Well, and without jumping too far ahead to next week, because we still want to talk about this Kansas State game, but how how important do you think that is? Um, it, 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 how much, how impactful is it for that offensive line? Uh, I mean, he's he's a guy that I mean, he's a, he's a redshirt freshman, but he's already one of the more experienced guys uh, with that group. You know, eight starts, uh, and and really, I mean, and more than just moving one guy around, it's it's you know. Making sure that they can keep that chemistry going that they mm-hmm. kind of they were kind of able to build against Kansas. That's State. a big thing for an offensive line when you've got to move a, a tackle to a guard and then you replace the tackle and then all of a sudden you've also 
impacted the center because then he's got a new guy to his right and that guy's playing a new position and, and there's a new guy to his right. So, you know, that, and, that whole situation changes. And for a team that hasn't always been great with switching guys off and has struggled sometimes with slants mm-hmm. and stunts, that, that that's something to keep an eye on. Like I said, I I don't know that – I mean, it's not going to be a game-breaker. It's not going to – I mean, there's still – capable guys up front but you know when you change that chemistry around it definitely is something to keep an eye out for well and let's get back to the kansas state game i've got a question for you does cameron dicker ever have to pay for a beer in austin because i know he's he's probably not old enough to drink right now but <laughs> i think he, he might be set for life in terms of uh you know uh, sitting at a bar and having a beer <laughs> oh yeah i think so uh you know they showed just how much confidence they had in him by running the clock out like they they were i mean you know that last touchdown, I know we're going to kind of get into that drive, but, you know, they they have the touchdown call back, and you see Sam Ellinger's taking a knee, you know, inside the five-yard line. What teams do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Teams that completely 100% know that this kick's automatic, and that that's, yeah. that's the way they feel about him right now. And I know it was only a 26-yarder, but still – uh, there are only so many game-winning field goals that go around, and and, and I think uh, I was looking into it. I, I think I read one of your articles that said there, that he has three yeah. so far in his two years. I mean, that's already a, a career's worth of game-winning field goals for for a, a, a college football kicker. That's already a lifetime worth of drinks in Austin. Yeah, you're right. If you, if you believe if, in reincarnation, he's working on the next life. If, if the OU game last year wasn't enough already, yeah. he's certainly sealing the deal right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just been incredible. And whenever you have that type of asset, we've talked about how Texas should win the special teams battle week in and week out simply because the athletes – that are on Texas roster, and it doesn't always show up. You know, we there's some were some big kick returns in this ball game that went against Texas for sure. Uh, it doesn't always show up like that, but at least in the kicking department, Texas has their guy. Yeah, without a doubt, I they they've got their guy for at least another year. You never know this, this kind of kid that may end up in the NFL early, but mm-hmm. at least another year they've 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 got their guy, and they they have complete trust in him. Tom Herman's even slipped up and accidentally called him by name a couple of times. Oh, really? <laughs> Mr. Dicker? <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's, he's pretty famous for not wanting to refer to his kickers by their, by, by their names and just as the kicker. But, uh-huh. but uh, At this point, Cameron Dicker's earned it. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. times. And it might just be that his name rhymes with kicker. And <laughs> he slipped up. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, talking about that 26-yard field goal, what led up to that was incredibly impressive also. Uh, you know, everybody talks about um, don't leave time on the clock for the other team. If you leave blank quarterback, you know, a minute, then he's going to be able to lead his team down the field and, and, and win the game. It's a lot easier said than done, you know, to say, oh, we, we want to score. We have to score. But also, I'm going to burn six minutes and 45 seconds off the clock when the other team has some timeouts. That was that was an incredibly impressive drive. To end the ball game, you know, it starts out, it's a 13 play, 65 yard drive. So they're, they are methodically moving, although kind of uniquely with big play, holding call, one yard rush, big play, you know, it, it kind of yeah. went back and forth. Um, but, but they did methodically move up and down the field. But it was really like a who's who of who you want to step up if you're a Texas fan. You think, who are we going to lean on? We need Sam Ellinger to step up and who's he going to throw it to? Uh, Colin Johnson, 14 yards on the first play. You know, uh, who else is he going to throw it to? You know, whenever it's fourth and uh, third and 14, he hits Devin Duvernay on a 18 yard pass. You know, it was really 
uh, Keontae Ingram jumped in there with some big runs. It was it were the people that Texas want to lean on are the ones that stepped up the most in what I thought was a very impressive drive. It was it was I mean you know it's hard to say that this offense hadn't gelled before before but. It's the most complete that you've seen them, you know, where it's not yeah. just Devin DuVernay carrying the team or Sam Ellinger strapping everybody on his back and, and going down the field by himself. It, right. it, it was it was as complete a dry a team drive as, as you've probably seen from the team all year. And it's worth noting that, you know, when you do that against a team like Kansas State that was in the top five in the country in time of possession, this is you're, it, it's like beating a, re- a team that's really good at one thing at their own game, mm-hmm. which is what they did on that last drive, you know, just milking the clock and leaving them no chance to rebut. And, and really did it for a lot of the second half. We'll get to the defense here momentarily. But uh, you're right. Texas, after the first, we'll call it quarter, you know, maybe maybe a little bit over that. Texas really started to control the game, and you started to see more of what Longhorn fans expected at that point. And one person I think you have to tip the hat to is Keontae Ingram. I mean, we were on this podcast no more than two, three weeks ago talking about, well, Roshan Johnson looks like the man. Why isn't Roshan Johnson getting more carries? Well, I think I, I, sometimes you've got to kind of got to look back at these situations and say, maybe, maybe, just maybe, the coach knew what he was doing. You know, <laughs> because looking back, looking at this game now, you see why Herman stuck with Keontae Ingram. Yeah, and I mean, you, this is a guy that he sees every day in practice, and you know we've all seen the flashes of what he could be. Mm-hmm. But this was, you know, talking about people who put together their most complete game. This was without a doubt Keontae Ingram's most complete game. I mean, he was he was more patient than he's been in the past. And uh, you know, I heard Colin Johnson after the game say that he was running angry, which I, he said, you know, I don't know who, what who did what to him before the game, but. <laughs> He was pretty. He was pretty angry throughout the game, and he was definitely running angry. And uh, well, somebody needs to start talking trash to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's see it again. 139 yards, two touchdowns, both of them in the second half. You know, uh, he's actually now had over 100 yards in two of the last three games. Uh, 600 some odd yards and six touchdowns on the season. He's starting to look like that back that Texas had hoped for. And as much as you appreciate what Roshan Johnson can do also, um, I think at this point you've got to feed Keontae Ingram the rock. I, I think he's probably, I mean, emerging as, as that clear-cut number one back that everybody thought he was going to be going into the season. You know, I, I still think there's a place for Roshan Johnson. Uh, and eventually, you know, Jordan Whittington, who, you know, was apparently – an emergency option during the game, but they decided uh, just to go ahead and, and and sit him for another week. Well, yeah, especially after pra- practicing, you know, pretty much through most of the bye week. You know, all the practice reports I said, yeah, I kept hearing he's out there, he's out there, he's out there. I, I was kind of surprised not to see him. He was, uh, I, Herman said after his press conference, just uh, walking by, I heard him say uh, it was a break glass in case of emergency situation where he could have played. But, you know, when you've got... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you would have put him in there at that yeah. point. You know, whenever Ingram's Ingram's hot, like he got in that second half. Well, especially in the on on the other side, he a lot of people will think he'll make a great slot receiver. You know, also, um, and right now Texas doesn't really need a, another slot receiver. Right. You know, I mean, it's kind of one of those. This is an athlete we want to get the ball in his hands and in space. But you're right with, with Keonta Ingram. Really showing that he needs, he's deserving of 15, 18, 20 carries in a ball game. Starting to look like a guy who gets better with yes. more carries. And, and then there not being a lot of reps at the, in the, the slot receiving position. 
you know, it, it is it is harder to to see him getting into it, getting into ball games and being as effective as we thought he could be. Right, and and there's also, I mean, from from uh, from what Herman said on Monday during his press conference, there's still he still hasn't quite gotten back to that explosive level that we all you know have been expecting to see out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, but healthy but not normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, at this point. If if you're not hurting for it, and and there's a risk of of you know any kind of possibility of doing any kind of long term damage to a kid that's uh you know a kid that's 18 years old and has a bright future like him, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think they're erring on the side of caution at this point. Yeah. Um, a little bit about the wide receivers. Also, Johnson and Duvernay had solid games. They 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 looked like. What we kind of expected almost last week, you know, when Johnson was coming back and you thought you've got the deep threat in Johnson and you've got the slot with Duvernay. It looks like a really good one-two combination, especially if you can put them on the same side. Um, we saw some of the, the, the fruits of that labor come come out in this ballgame. Yeah, and you saw them do some <clears throat> a few more creative things with, with Colin Johnson, you know, moved him around a little bit, put mm-hmm. him in the slot a little couple of times, you know, yeah. did some things that, you know, we had complained about them not doing in the past, you know, and I think some of it might just be, uh, you know, getting everybody a defined role and, and being able to, you know, go a little deeper into that playbook, which which you kind of saw, uh, you know, you saw DuVernay doing some different things. I mean, not just, I mean, he's he's obviously, he, his skill set lends itself to to a lot of those short plays or those short passes that he can, you know, break off long yards after the reception. But he got, he got a couple shots down the field too. So, I mean, yeah, you got to see both those guys kind of expand, expand their, their route tree a little bit. Well, and speaking of shots, um, what exactly is Colin Johnson going through right now? Because um, the word is injury or hamstring may still be an uh, issue. I know he got a, uh, earlier in the season had a PRP shot. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, without going into the, the medical terms, is simply something that's supposed to help long-term with a with a hamstring-type injury or, or, or give him the ability to recover easier. It sounds like he may be back to being a question mark again. Yeah, they, they use the word aggressive, uh, I think aggressive treatment. Which would make you think, you know, another PRP shot and, yeah. and you know, everything they can be they can do to try to get him back. Uh well, but you know, at the same time, you get the feeling that, that at, at, when you're a week, what are we now, nine, eight, and you're still having the same hamstring, I mean, issues that maybe have been plaguing you since week two, that this is gonna be a year long problem. I mean yeah. That it's 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 managing it and trying to get to the end of the season at this well, point. And when you talk about managing it, is it sitting for a week or is it get managing it enough that he can play through it? You know, and, and nobody but the trainers, you know, and the coaching staff really knows that balance there. But that that's the discussion: is is can he can you get it to a point that he can play, or does he have to sit out a week here or there to to really come back? And if he does, that's a big blow versus Iowa State. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're just now seeing what these guys can do, you know, we, you know, what this offense can look like whenever you get everybody in where they're supposed to be. And mm-hmm. when you pull out Colin Johnson, we've seen that, you know, defenses are going to key way harder on Devin DuVernay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those young receivers have, have made some plays. You know, we mentioned Brandon Eagles earlier, and, you know, Malcolm Epps has made a few uh, impressive plays, but neither of those guys – have the consistency yet 
where defenses are going to respect them the way they do Colin Johnson. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move into the defense. I think that's another huge factor in this ballgame. I mean, obviously, defense is a huge factor in all ballgames. But what um, what Texas saw from its defense, there were some glimpses of, hey, this is kind of what I was thinking earlier in the year might this defense might look like. You know, in the second half, they only allowed 36 yards passing after giving up over 200 in the first half. Um, Kansas State didn't convert a third down in the second half. That is stunning to me. I mean, that's just absolutely stunning. That's going beyond good defense. That's dominance, what you're seeing there. You know, it was that kick return for a, uh, for a touchdown that really yeah. flipped the script in the second half in favor of Kansas State. What did you see from this defense uh, during that, you know, uh, second quarter through second half period? They, you saw, you saw confidence for one thing. I mean, you saw when you have, when you've got all those guys, you've got Caden Stearns and BJ Foster back there for the first time together all season. And you've got, you know, uh, you know, your, your, your linemen, your linebackers, everybody's getting healthy and they're all feeding off of each other. When you can bring a guy like BJ Foster from, you know, a lot of those Todd Orlando blitzes that look pretty pedestrian look really different whenever it's, you know, Foster or Stearns coming yeah. off, off the edge and not, you know, not a freshman safety. He, he attaches the words all big 12 to his name for a reason. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I mean, there, there's definite, you definitely saw them getting more and more confident through that game. And there was a one point where you could just see Kansas State was frustrated on offense and didn't know what to do. Uh, their their game plan was completely wrecked in that third quarter. Well, the, I mean, Texas only allowed 51 rushing yards the entire game. When you make a team one-dimensional, and that's what that's what Todd Orlando tries to do, stop the run, deal with the pass, stop the run, deal with the pass. If you can make a team one-dimensional, it really plays into the defensive play calling and allows Todd Orlando to start doing some of those blitzes with Stearns and stuff like that. Allows them a little more freedom whenever you can force them to to give up on one side of the ball, and that's what Texas did. Yeah, and and especially when you do it to a team like Kansas State, that I mean, that is such a big part of their offensive identity. If they can't run the ball, they're they're a completely different team on offense, and you you saw that especially in that second half. So my question is, did something change? Did did uh, Orlando magically get smart over the bye week, or you know, did they? Uh, <sighs> all of a sudden have players that knew what they were doing or did they just simply get healthy? I mean, to me, it sound, it looks like this is just what a healthy UT defense looks like. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think, you know, uh, and we'll kind of get into this, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking to everybody off the ledge and maybe this week I'm going to dampen just a little bit of everybody's, <laughs> you're everybody's not, you're excitement. Not, you're not willing to prop them up even further? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just going just gonna, to gonna dampen it just a little bit and say that I think part of it is Kansas State, and I think we talked about this before the game, Kansas State more than any other offense that Texas will face down the stretch probably plays the most style of football that fits into the things that Texas does really well. Mm. I mean, they... You just think Texas matched up well with Kansas State. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, they the way they, they ran the ball on first down, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but it was it was a large percentage of their first down plays. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was... They kind of just banged their heads against the wall and thought that eventually they'd wear them down. And, you know, that's... Uh, that's a game plan that's built for Todd Orlando, who we mentioned earlier, you know, likes to sell out on first down to stop the run and, and you know, bring crazy blitzes on third down whenever he's got you in third and long. Uh, 
we'll see. Like I said, we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk more about Iowa State and Brock Purdy and, mm-hmm. and some of the things, some of the ways that this defense is going to get challenged uh, that'll really tell you a little bit more about where they are. But for, for at least one week against a, a very good offense, they, they definitely looked better. All right, before we roll into Iowa State, I want to remind you I'm Dalton Sweat here with uh, Chris Dukes, the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. And you can always find out more or keep up with his daily coverage. I don't even want to say daily. We're going to call it hourly coverage. Um, You can find it at uh, si.com slash college slash Texas. You can also go on Facebook and keep up at Longhorn Sports Illustrated or uh, on Twitter at Duke's Take, D-U-K-E-S-T-A-K-E, at Duke's Take to follow Chris. So uh, let's go ahead and roll straight into Iowa State. And you know they're five and four on the season, three and three. Looks pretty pedestrian until you look at last week versus OU, and you know have a last second chance two point conversion with a chance to win. And you know that some of their game, some of their losses earlier in the season, you know they're coming off back to back losses. Just lost forty two forty one to Oklahoma, lost thirty four twenty seven to Iowa to uh, Oklahoma State, and that's why they're not ranked. You know. When you look at this, Texas is now back in into at least some of the rankings. I think 19 at the moment, uh, depending on wh- where you're looking. But um, and Iowa State's not ranked at all. I don't. I think that is a, a, a travesty if you look at those two stats, or those two facts, and think you know anything about this football game. Um, Iowa State is is a much better ball club than I think they're being given credit for. Um, lost by one point to Oklahoma. Lost earlier in the season, 23-21 to Baylor. Uh, have wins over pretty decisive wins over Tech, West Virginia, and TCU. Uh, have a, 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 a close loss to Iowa. Yeah, I mean you you give this team two field goals, three field goals, and it that go either way, and they're all of a sudden they might be like a top ten team in the in the country. I mean they're really close to being impressive. Yeah, and uh, if you if you look at if you look at any of the gambling websites this week, you'll see exactly what Vegas thinks about this game. Yeah, uh, touchdown favorite, yeah. something like that. I, I didn't look it up specifically. I think but... it was I think it was minus seven last night whenever yeah. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is this is an unranked but very dangerous Iowa State team playing at home in in their element. Uh, and yeah, there, there's there's nothing there's there's absolutely nothing to scoff at whenever you look at these cyclones they're solid all all up and down the board too i mean matt campbell's doing a great job uh building that he's built this program into exactly what he wants it to look like uh you know i know we're going to get into specifics but they got a playmaking quarterback they've got a good defense they've got they've got a capable running game there's 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 nothing that they don't do at least reasonably well i agree you know and, and when you just say they played against the top two teams in the big 12 which are somewhere around top 10 teams in the country and lost to those two teams by a combined three points. I mean, we, we've talked about how close Texas was to beating OU and LSU. Iowa State's got even more claim to that argument than Texas does. Exactly. And, and you know, also, you know, Iowa's, I think, a top 15 team in the country. And, you know, they're, that was a, a crazy week opening game that had a bunch of, you know, delays and whatnot that happened in it. But, and... But yeah, they're uh, they're they're a couple of, of of just crazy turns from being the ball hops one way or a catch yeah. made here or something like that from from being literally a top top ten team. I mean, that's just it's, a it's two crazy. point conversion last week. A and... two point conversion, yeah. So we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, uh, right now they're ranked nineteenth nationally in scoring, sixteenth um, in yardage. 
a pretty darn solid defense. The way I described him is they've got a great QB, just a sophomore in Purdy, and a very good defense. There's a lot of talent on that defense. Overall, this is a team that Texas is going to struggle with. And there's a lot of things that, you know, we, we talked earlier about how Kansas State matched up, or Texas matched up really well with Kansas State. This is not that kind of matchup for Texas. I mean, just uh, a lot of the things that Texas has struggled with with previous teams, this, this is a team that can at least has the tools to try to exploit it and see just how far they've come since they've gotten everybody healthy, especially on defense. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's part of the, the Vegas line, minus seven. You know, you look at it and go, okay, are, are they taking into account Caden Stearns? You know, are they taking into account the team that we saw in the second half of last week? Or are they looking at Texas versus Kansas? You know, what, what, what team are they expecting to show up out there on the field because Texas really has shown two different ball clubs. But let's get into a little more specifics on uh, Iowa State. Brock Purdy is just he's, – he's a very good quarterback, and he's just a sophomore. He's working towards 3,000 yards passing, working towards 70%. I think he's at 68. 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's a pretty darn good QB, and then he's also – he's a bit mobile too, you know. It's not like he's a – you know, uh, lead-footed out there. He's got 280 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns rushing. He he is uh, what makes that offense click. Yeah, without a doubt. And I heard a an interesting comparison actually on the radio on the way here. You know, Brock Brock Purdy has a very similar skill set to to Sam Ellinger. Mm. Very, uh, you know, both both are guys that are are capable runners and and can run the ball, but are you know. Guys that can make every throw, very smart quarterbacks, uh, guys that guys that can find weaknesses in defenses and make quick reads and and make you pay if you're out of position uh, in ways that you know you probably didn't weren't going to get to see last week. Well, and once again, I keep going back to him being a sophomore, but it's impressive what you're seeing so far. And when I heard that. Uh, their head coach Matt Campbell said after the game he was questioned as to why they went for two. You know, down one point you can tie it up. And you know, personal personally, I always think if you're David in the David and Goliath scenario and you've got a shot, you take your shot. If you're on and, the road in Norman and you just yeah. scored 21 straight points, yeah, you don't you don't let them get to overtime. <laughs> I, I completely agree <laughs> with going for two there. But what he said was he wanted to leave it in Brock Purdy's hands. And that says a whole lot. When you're talking about facing a top team in the conference, Oklahoma, in Norman, and you look at your sophomore quarterback and say, here's the ball, go win us the darn game. That that says a lot about how that coach feels about Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I mean, the, if you if you go back and watch that play, that, that throw was there. The, the, you know, the defensive back made a, a, a great play on the ball, but that ball was in his receiver's hands. I mean, there's, there's, there's a reason that you have that much trust in him. And, mm-hmm. and if you... If you allow Brock Purdy to get into a rhythm the way he did in the second half uh, against Oklahoma, he's he's going to scorch you. If if you don't, if you aren't making him nervous and anxious and worrying about where things are coming from and who's going to be where, if, if if you leave it too simple for him, he's gonna he's gonna exploit your defense. So I'd say better. He's better than Skylar Thompson. I don't think there's any question about that. What about Duggan? Is he better than Duggan at TCU? Yes. Um, how how far up are we willing to go on this list? Would he start at OSU? Is he Spencer better than Hurts? Spencer Sanders is really good. I think he's got a different skill set than either of those guys, though. I mean, as far as a pure passer, 
If you're taking one to start your team, who do you pick? Yeah, as far as, a, as far as a pure passer, I I'd probably still go with Hurts just because he's such a dynamic athlete. But mm-hmm. but as far as a pure, if 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 you're not a, if quarterback runs don't count, <laughs> uh, then I might take a Brock Purdy because he uh, he's a very talented quarterback. I'm so, very very talented throwing the ball. We're 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 saying he's in the top couple of. Um, you know, we're not going to throw him out there with LSU, but he's in the top couple, maybe the second tier of quarterbacks that Texas has faced this year. Not maybe not Hurts, um, at least the third best. I would, I would say, yeah. So he, it's going to be a test for this UT defense for sure. Um, also, you know, they were kind of struggling to run the ball early in the season, and then oh, pops this uh, freshman Brees Hall, and all he's done is lead the team in rushing for four weeks in a row, and. Had 183 yards versus Tech. Had 110 last week versus Oklahoma. Um, he's looking pretty impressive and, and kind of adding a new dimension to this uh, Iowa State team. Yeah, he can catch the ball out of the backfield too, and and you know, is a pretty good blocker for for being a true freshman. You know, usually that's something you, you can kind of exploit whenever you put one you put put a younger guy back there. But yeah, he he's uh, there's not really a flaw in his game, and he's he's pretty. I mean, he's pretty powerful for... He's a bigger guy. Yeah. I mean, especially for, like I said, being as young as he is, he's he's a guy that's going to... He's going to test them in a lot of different ways. I know that Texas is coming off their best game by far against the run, but he's going to challenge them in some different ways. He's going to try to get to the edge more, you know, than than what you saw with Kansas State, which really kind of just tried to run straight ahead and right into the teeth of the Texas defense. They're going to they're gonna try to stretch to the outside and try to, you know, find ways to put those linebackers in one-on-one open field tackling situations. Just to try and give you a little bit of an idea, he's listed at 6'1", 205. Keontae Ingram, 6'2", 20s, you know, what their rosters say. So a little bit taller than Ingram, a little bit slighter, but he's also a little younger. Um, I, he, he for On the running back side, he's a, he's a bigger kid, and, and he's an athlete. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see him getting reps so early on at a team that that is is as good as Iowa State is. Let's Let's move into the wide receivers. They've kind of got a, I, I guess what you would, would look for in a wide receiver crew. Nobody jumps out too big off the board, but they've got a nice a couple nice possession receivers. Uh, LaMichael Petaway and uh, Deshante Jones are both kind of more of the guys that are going to go over the middle and stuff like that. And then you've got your deep threat in uh, Tyreek Milton. Tyreek Milton's a ten speedster, averages 22 yards a catch. Uh, has 600 yards, three touchdowns on the season. What do you see from their wide receiving core and and, and how they'll match up against Texas DBs? They're they're really physical, uh, is what I've I've seen. I mean I mean they they they're going to do a lot of rub routes. They're going to do a lot of a lot of things where they're going to they're going to they're going to try to be the aggressors. And, and, and the other than other than Milton, none of those guys are are breakaway speed guys. But they're the kind of guys that you know that you put under the under the boards in a basketball game that are just going to mm-hmm. you just expect to go body up and go get the ball. So one of the things that Texas started doing against Kansas State that seemed real effective was they started playing a little more press. Yeah. Uh brought those corners up to the line. Uh do you think that's something that Texas would consider against these more physical wide receivers or do you think that plays into Iowa State's hands? I I I think it's something that you you consider doing as long as you trust your pass rush the way it was getting home last week. Uh, I mean, I, I think that was a big part of why they they went press. You know, it was the idea that hey, uh, if we can if we can cover these guys for three seconds, we're sending enough. We, we've got capable enough guys rushing the passer now that they're not going to be able to just pick us apart and find find the open guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that 
yeah, I still think I still think pressing can 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 be effective. I think you've also got to mix it up. You've got to play some zone. You've got to you can't you can't man up on a on another mobile I mean, on a mobile quarterback that can also throw down the field because he'll he'll beat you with his legs as well. Uh, and, and another thing that does need to be brought up, you know, Jalen Green's going to miss the first half of the game with uh, you know, that, that really boneheaded uh, targeting penalty <laughs> that he had in the second half last week. So, uh, you know, there's there's at least a little hole there that I think I think you'll see Iowa State try to pick on. Well, and I would say that Kansas State might have been the best offensive line that Texas has faced all year. Um, Iowa State also has a very good offensive line. I don't know if I'd put it quite up to the quality of Kansas State's. But, uh, I mean, they've got uh, Julian Good-Jones at left tackle, 6'5", 315. Uh, Josh Neipel is their right guard, 6'5", 305. Uh, Bryce Meeker, 6'6", 305 at right tackle. All of those guys are seniors. They've got uh, another senior-laden, experience-heavy, big offensive line. Now, we said that a lot about Kansas State, too. Do you, how do you think Texas matches up with this offensive line? Well, I mean, if I hadn't seen what I did last week, I would, I would, I would be more worried if I were a Texas fan. Mm-hmm. But honestly, they I, the way the defensive line played last week was was hands down, without a doubt, their best game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said that about the offensive line, too. yeah, yeah, in the trenches <laughs> on both sides of the ball against yeah. you know, I mean, against a, a team that hangs their hat on, on, on what Kansas State did. You know, it's the same thing this week. You're going to get a team that's tough in the trenches, got a little more skill to kind of hurt you on the outside. But uh, but I, I think if they continue to put those guys in the right situation and, and you know, you know, when you can bring a, a Stearns and a Foster up to the line of scrimmage and, and, and have those extra guys that can cover like a line or cover like a safety but play basically a you're an extra linebacker for you mm-hmm. and, and come on some rushes, that's going to really help in, in a battle against another really good offensive line. Yeah, especially when you can bring one or both of them up and, and play a little head game with the quarterback. Who's going to drop back into a zone underneath, right. you know, that's going to try and take your hot route away, and who's going to come with pressure, you know. you got guys with speed like like Stearns, you know, who, who you know can still – be your deep can still be your 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 over the top safety even if he's up near the line <laughs> when the play starts. Yeah, yeah, it's, you're right. We talked about last week um, who would have a bigger impact, Caden Stearns or uh, Jordan Whittington. Well, that right. that, that was, answer became moot pretty yeah. quick, but Caden Stearns certainly had an impact for Texas, and I think he's going to be a key in this ball game for how the Texas defense matches up because the the big difference between these two teams, both of them have. Solid uh, offensive lines, Kansas. I'm talking Kansas State and Iowa State. Both of them have solid offensive lines. You said wide receivers for Iowa State are a little bit uh, more talented than than Kansas State, but really the quarterback. I mean, it's just this quarterback is is light years ahead. Um, you know, w- whenever you're talking about Purdy versus uh, Scott Thompson. Oh, without a doubt. And and uh, you know, it, it the battle is really going to be which one of these teams is 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 playing this game. Which one of this uh, between those two units. Who's dictating the terms? You know, is Texas dictating the terms like they were last week where, you know, it's third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven? Mm-hmm. Or is Iowa State, you know, third and four, third and three, you know, two plays in a first down, two plays in a first down? It's going to come down to can can Texas come up with a game plan where they're the aggressor and they keep these guys off balance? Let's move on to the defense for a little bit. We're starting to get a little long in the day. But um, when you're talking offense versus defense for this Iowa State team – I know that the the numbers say Iowa State is better on offense 
ranked higher nationally and stuff like that. But when I look at the talent on both sides of the ball, I think they might have more talent or at least more depth on defense. They go pretty deep with playmakers, both on the, on the line, step back in the linebackers, and then in the secondary, they've got a lot of talent on this defensive side. And it's built, I mean, Matt Kimball built this defense to combat explosive Big 12 offenses. I mean, he's going to play, he's going to play three deep, he's going to be physical uh, and try to take away your run game, and he's going to make you work your tail off every time you get the ball if you want to score. You're going to have to go 10, 11, 12 plays, which, I mean, you know, Texas has done in the past, but they're going to they're gonna challenge them and, and try to take away the big plays and the run game and say, hey, you're going to have to beat us, you know, four yards at a time throwing the ball. Well, and stopping the run game really starts with two players on this Iowa State defense. Ray Lima is their stud, defend, I guess, nose tackle. Um, 6'3", 305. He's a run stuffer. He eats up blocks right in the middle of the defense. And then while he's eating up those blocks, he's allowing linebackers like Marcel Spears Jr., who has a ton of speed to play all over the field and really be able to stop those runs without committing a large number of defenders to stopping the run. I think those are the two the two key guys in that in that form of that part of the defense. For sure. And then like I said, I mean, you can a lot of teams will try to do the that, you know, play the the three deep zone that that Iowa State's kind of made famous in the Big 12, but you can't do it unless you've got guys in the front seven who can hold their own and keep you from having to bring up that extra safety. And that's, uh, that's, that's been a big part of what's made Iowa State successful run, uh, on defense. When you're talking about um, three deep zone, just explain it a little bit. You know, Is it cornerbacks doing deep thirds with the safety up the middle? How, how, do, how are they running their three deep, three deep zone, as you said? Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, it's not your traditional. They're not going to play you know, prevent defense on every play. Mm-hmm. But they're, they've got a guy responsible for a, a – a third of the deep field, mm-hmm. you know, all over. I mean, I mean, on all three sides. I mean, do you do they tip, tend to do it with two safeties or or is it the cornerbacks that are dropping? They'll mix it up a lot. Uh, they'll 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 because I mean they they'll they'll run the five defensive backs. You know, they'll they'll run two safeties on two sides of the field, and then they'll have a guy covering over the middle playing center field. Okay, uh, and it's not something like I said. They're not going to do it on every single play, but they're going to do it a lot, and they're going to do some kind of version of it. They're just not going to let a lot of guys get behind them. Well, and one of the important things for the Texas offense, whenever you're running this three-deep zone, what tends to happen is they call them thirds, thirds of the field. So we'll just say uh, your left cornerback has the deep third on the left side, your safety has the deep middle, and your right cornerback has the deep third, or maybe if you've got a second safety, that's their responsibility. The important part is that whenever a quarterback gets out of the pocket, whenever he rolls one way or the other, those safeties, those deep thirds roll because they're saying we're just not you're you're not going to throw the ball across your body to the other side. Yeah, and so those safeties and that coverage rolls with it, and all of a sudden it closes down a lot of open holes because typically you've got some sort of uh, break off guy breaking off his route exactly, and, out. and, and so it, it's real one of the, one of the keys to beating that is being able to beat them from within the pocket and not having to scramble out. Uh, to either side, eh, eh, because whenever you scramble against that type of defense, it almost plays into the defense's hands. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be really important for this Texas offensive line to to stand strong and allow a pocket for Ellinger to stay in. You saw them do it last week against uh, Jalen Hurts in that second half. You know, Oklahoma put up 35 in the first, but, you know, there were times they got him rolling one direction 
and then just cut off that side of the field, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden your your passing windows are non-existent. You know? Yeah, it does. It, at that at that point, you've got more defenders in the, that two thirds of a field than there are receivers. You know, and so it really does. It cuts down on not just lanes for passing, but also lanes for that quarterback to take off running. Uh, so I, I think it'll be important for Sam Ellinger to to stay in that pocket and for the offensive line to hold up long enough to allow that to happen. And, and it's going to be really important for them to establish a running game as well. They're they're going to have to, you know, keep keep out of those situations where where Iowa State can be exotic and aggressive, mm-hmm. and you know, and just just like on the other side of the ball where they're dictating the terms. You've you've got to uh, you've got to keep them off balance. You've got you've got to make them pay for for you know running the type of defense they do and, and win the battle up front on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and one of the things, because they run this, you know, I guess it's somewhat similar to what Todd Orlando runs in terms of the, you know, more three-down linemen and then bring pressure from your linebackers or, I guess, Todd Orlando, we talk about bringing it with those hybrid safeties. Um, Orlando got a lot of those, a lot of that dime defense, that lightning dime defense that he likes to run, a lot of that came from from Matt Campbell and yeah. the success that he saw him have with it. Well, in in that vein, Iowa State has lost one of their senior leaders, uh, rushing linebacker Jaquin Bailey, out injured, uh, has been for a while now. Uh, he was his rush position, you know, if you want to call it like a rush linebacker or you know, a, a, maybe a, a, a three four that, put that your hand down yeah. linebacker. Uh, that was replaced by Oreen uh, Vance, who has six and a half sacks this year. So he's he's been doing pretty well, and and so they're still going to be trying to bring that pressure. That pressure. Your your defensive line is meant to eat up blocks and allow your linebackers or or your you know hybrid safeties to really make some plays around the line of scrimmage unencumbered by blockers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> You know they they want to get their their speed and that that second level of the defense, but completely free and able to run to the football. Yeah, well, their linebackers do have a lot of speed, but also they've got some key playmakers. You know, we talked about Caden Stearns um, being a uh, All Big Twelve safety. Well, you know they kind of got one on the other side of the field too. You know the other team does have players. Um, in case you hadn't heard, <laughs> uh, safety Greg Eisworth. Uh, was a all Big 12, first team all Big 12 safety last year. It was his first year in there. They've also got uh, Lawrence White, who's been doing a great job uh, in the secondary. Uh, Eisworth was injured kind of middle of the year and seems to be working himself back in. I'd really compare him a lot to Stearns and right. his trajectory this year with, with UT. Um, and, and, but they've got, once again, talent, not just at the defensive line, not just at the linebackers, but also in the secondary. It's a very good defense. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are guys that are are asked to cover a lot of ground, but they have the speed to do it. And that, I mean, that's part of what makes this Iowa State defense. I mean, when you're running, what what some people would call a soft zone. If you got if you got guys without the closing speed, these guys have you're just going to get picked apart. These guys are fast enough that you're not just gonna you're not gonna find those those easy windows and just find a bunch of easy holes and zones. And that's one of the reasons why they are aggressively treating. Colin Johnson's hamstrings because they 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 know that they they're going to need it without it yeah and, and he's a he's a guy that that changes because he changes things because he's not ever really covered one on one you know yeah. his catch radius just makes it where even if even if you're blanketing that guy he's he's got a chance to make a play on the ball all right I think we're down to uh, our finale score predictions. Chris, what do you got? Who do you think is going to take this? Let's uh, preface this with uh, Vegas thinks Iowa State is a seven-point 
uh, favorite, that's pretty darn significant. Um, I mean, if you if you would have told me three and a half, four, I'd have believed it. Maybe five, seven kind of surprises me to go quite that far. That means that re that Vegas, who knows a heck of a lot more about this than you, either you or I, because they put money on it every week. Right. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they think it's a seven point game for Iowa State. What do you think? I, I I'm I'm gonna say I still I do believe that you saw some that you saw. This defense especially turn a, a bit of a corner, but I don't think that they're going to be lights out or anything crazy like that against Iowa State. I think I think this is going to be one of those crazy Big 12 games that comes down to the last possession. And Oh, don't tell me. <laughs> you, think, you think Cameron Dicker's going to add to the legend, huh? I, I uh, You going that far? I, I think that he kicks the extra point after Sam Ellinger scores <laughs> the game winner with, with under two minutes to go at 38-35 Texas. 38-35. Okay, we're, we're pretty close. Um, you know, I, I always talk about being the eternal optimist. I, it, it's been hard a couple weeks this year to remain optimistic, but uh, I, 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 too, think that Texas can match up with this team. I, I agree. I understand why Iowa State's favored. They're a good ball club with a great quarterback that is dynamic and can make a lot of plays. But Texas is getting healthy. I'm excited to see what this defense can do as it stays healthy. You know, we see Colin Johnson on the other side, and it worries me. Maybe somebody like Jordan Whittington could get out there and stretch the field if he's back on the field, if Colin Johnson isn't able to do it, because that, that dynamic of Duvernay underneath and, and Colin Johnson being able to go deep is, is really important to this Texas offense, I feel like, and really, really important to stretch those deep thirds that Iowa State likes to play. And so without Colin Johnson, I see some struggles in there, but you're starting to see Ingram light it up. I think Texas can attack this team via the run, maybe shorten the game. Um, I'm leaning more towards the defenses having a more say in this than your, would you say, 38? 35. 38-35. 30, um, I'm thinking that this might be more like a 28-26 type ball game, 30-28 range, you know, high 20s, low 30s. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Texas, and let's just throw it all on Cameron Dicker and see how many we can do. Um, you know, get one more last-minute field goal to win this win this, win this ball game. Something like, you know, 28-26 in there. Dicker beats the elements and the Iowa State. Uh, yeah, they're uh, saying goal block high of 39s the prediction right now. I guess that's not terrible. You know, for Iowa and for Iowa in November, that's pretty good actually. Considering Texas <laughs> got to practice all week in this miserable slog that we've all been a part of, so they'll uh, be ready for it. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I hope Keontae Ingram can feel his feet because at the moment I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's it's going to be interesting how how these uh, Texas boys can handle that cold weather too. But uh, Chris, I appreciate you coming by, joining us for another podcast. If you want more of Chris's coverage, you can go to si.com/slash/college/slash/Texas. Uh, if you want to complain. At Duke's take on Twitter, by all Send means. Send them all in, please. Send them all in. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, follow us on Facebook at uh, Sports Illustrated, or Longhorn Sports Illustrated on Facebook. So uh, join us again next time. Chris, you got anything you want to say on the way? Uh, out? Just a quick shout out to Brian Moore. We declared it to be the studio last week, so we're sticking with that uh, back in the studio. Uh -huh. And uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. All right. See you later.